listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. So it's important for us to know what he's doing and how to uh, guard ourselves from the attack of the devil. And of course, we know from scripture, we have authority over the devil. We have authority over the powers of the devil, the Bible says. Uh, And this episode today will show you where you need to use that authority, how to use it, and uh, what the enemy is trying to do and has always tried to do. And I'm going to take the time to explain uh, these nine um, evil spirits, demon spirits, and how they function, how they operate. So take a minute, share this broadcast. You're not going to want to miss today. Uh, It's going to help you a lot. Don't forget, I'm holding in my hand the brand new Miracle Word magazine. And uh, if you're not already subscribed to get these magazines, then go to miracleword.com forward slash live fill out the form, get your magazine. Uh, we started putting them in envelopes, which has done an ending around on this crooked postal system. And people are starting to get them within days. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, and so if you want to get yours, go ahead and do that. Also, today is Wednesday, which means there's brand new kids content. Today's uh, episode is on self-control. This is a awesome, awesome week for the kids How many young children do you know that battle and are learning self-control? This is going to be a very important uh, episode for all of your children. Uh, You can get it on the app. I encourage you download the Miracle Word app. It's free. It's on any, it's available in both app stores. You can get it on any device and, well, I guess not any device. I mean, you can't get it on like your toaster, but unless you have a smart toaster, get it. It's free. All the contents there. It's all packaged in one place. And, uh, I know you'll enjoy it. So don't miss out on that today at two o'clock. Carolyn's going to be live. And so you're not going to want to miss it. Ladies, two o'clock Wednesday and Friday with Carolyn. Uh, it's going to be great. So don't miss today at two with Carolyn. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be an awesome broadcast. There's my friend, Tony Carpenter. I see AJ Bibles in the house. Uh, Jen, good to see you guys. Don't forget to share this. Take a minute to share it. We're jumping in. Did I miss any announcements today? Anything that I'm missing? Nothing. I'm, oh, wait, I did miss one thing. This has been an in-depth study. So many people have questions and there's so many questions coming in. I'm not necessarily able to get to all of them. So what we're doing is we're taking Friday, not just to teach, but to answer questions that have come in. So if you have a question regarding angels, demons, or the supernatural realm, please send it to miracleword.com forward slash question. There's a form there that you can fill out and send us your question. And on Friday, I'm going to get to as many of these questions as possible. Um, And I've gotten some uh, that sent via text message, just so you know, I'm getting your texts. And and those that are sending through the website, we're going to take the time on Friday because many times I can't get to them all during the broadcast, but if I see one that goes along with what I'm talking about, I will try to address it in that moment. But anything else you have, please, please send it to us. We'll get to it on Friday. Uh, It's gonna be a good day. So again, jumping in today, we're dealing with nine 
uh, demon spirits that must be dealt with. And these are all listed in scripture. I'm going to show them to you in the word of God. We're going to deal with them, show you how that you take authority over that. And, um, and know that you are anointed to destroy the works of the devil. So right off the bat, because I, you know, I don't want people to think, well, he's just focusing on evil spirits. No, I'm focusing on the power of the Holy spirit that we are all filled with the power of the Holy spirit. And we've got authority over demon spirits. And, but the, as I said at the beginning, the Bible tells us that we're not to be, um, unaware of the devil's devices, of his plots, plans, schemes. We're not ignorant of them. We know what he's trying to do. So I'm, I'm shining a light, if you will, on how the devil operates uh, so that you can understand how to take authority and live in victory. And so I want you to put this uh, in the comments. First of all, very first thing, I'm anointed to destroy the works of the devil. I want you to type that in by faith and know that it's true. I am anointed to destroy the works of the devil. Why is that the case? Well, the Bible tells us uh, in 1 John that Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then what did Jesus say to his disciples and his followers in John chapter 14 and verse 12? He said, the works that I do, you will do also and greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to be with my father in heaven. So we understand that the same works that Jesus was anointed to do, you are also anointed to do those works just as much as Jesus was anointed to destroy the works of the devil, you are anointed to destroy the works of the devil. That's exciting and it's encouraging to know that we are all filled with the power of God. You think about it, the Bible calls it the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead is literally dwelling in us. He's made his home in our physical bodies. Paul had to remind the Corinthians, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And so I want you to get it from the very, very beginning of the episode today. And that is this, you're filled with the power of God and you're anointed to destroy the works of the devil. I'm not doing this series and I'm not doing this episode uh, to glorify the demonic realm or to, you know, it's, we're not super interested in the demonic realms. Now I'm doing the series. It's that people today are seriously dealing with attacks of the devil and many of them don't even know that it's the devil attacking them. Sadly, in this age we're living in, we have, as I used the, the word the other day, humanized so much uh, that's going on that we ignore the fact that it's spiritual at its root. It is spiritual at its root. And we've got to deal with spiritual problems in a spiritual way. There's Brother Donnie Alloy. Love you. Spiritual problems have to be dealt with using spiritual solutions. And so that's why we're dealing with this. Because if you don't know how the devil attacks, if you don't know what he does, then you don't know whether that's just something, well, that's life, brother. You know, that's how life goes. That's how people think. That's how life goes. You know, that's just, we get older. and All these things that start to happen in your mind 
to humanize something. It's a trick of the devil to humanize something so that you don't see it as a spiritual problem so that you don't deal with it spiritually. And that's not what we want to do. Dr. Strong. Hello. Glad you're on today. That's right. We're not magnifying demons. We're not. Yeah. They go into all these names. Jamie said they go into all these names that aren't even in the Bible. It's like, you know, where do they even get the names? I don't know. But we're not magnifying demons. We magnify the Lord. We're magnifying the power of the Holy Spirit. But as Paul taught that we also need to be aware of the devil's devices. So I'm going to give you nine demon spirits, nine evil spirits that the Bible talks about, deals with, and we're going to cover them. And then, of course, we're going to uh, talk about dealing with them as well. Let's start with this. And again, thank you for putting notes in the comments, scripture references, uh, numbering these lists so that people can follow along later and, and take better notes because I know they're, I've already had text messages. People say, well, I'm at work. I can't wait to get back and watch the replay. So help them out. If you would, in the comments, we are really, really appreciate the victory tribe. All right. Number one, let's deal with these today. Number one, which the reason I want to deal with this first is because pretty much all of the spirits fall under this category, but it is listed as its own uh, spirit of the New Testament. And that is this, number one, the spirit of Antichrist. Put that in, the spirit of Antichrist. And uh, I'm going to have you turn to 1 John 4, and we're uh, going to talk first about that. If you think about it, every spirit is is an Antichrist or anti-God spirit, because all of those spirits are those who rebelled against God and against his word and against his, um, you know, his agenda. So every spirit would fall under the category of anti-Christ, anti-God. But obviously, as you know, the Bible deals with an anti-Christ spirit. So, um, we're going to talk about that from first John chapter four first. And, um, I'll read you four verses. We'll start with first John four, one, and then we'll go on, um, through verse four. Let's read them. The Bible says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, but by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus, uh, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Now here's the exciting part. Verse four, little children, you're from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. And so, uh, one of the things that we need to talk about is the fact that, uh, the spirit that's in you, we just talked about it. The Holy spirit is greater than he that's in the world. Well, in context, what's that talking about? The spirit of antichrist, the greater ones in you, he's greater than the spirit of antichrist. If you, if you, uh, remember the other day, one of the things I mentioned was that, uh, when I was dealing on Monday, with 11 important facts about demons. One of the facts we dealt with was demons have doctrines and things they want to teach. 
Demons have doctrines and things they want to teach. Where does that come from? It comes from this anti-Christ spirit. It comes from this anti-God spirit. And so when Paul is writing to Timothy and he talks about doctrines of devils and he talks about false teachings that are causing people to be led astray, doctrines of demons, that's an anti-Christ spirit. Things that are against the spirit of Christ or against God's word. Remember this. And I want you to write it in the comments. Anything that contradicts God's word is anti-Christ. Because remember this, Christ is the word made flesh. Christ is the word made flesh. So if anything is a teaching that contradicts the word, the written word of God, it is anti-Christ in nature. So I'll write it this way. Anything that contradicts God's word is anti-Christ. People are already writing it in the comments. Anything that contradicts God's word is anti-Christ. That's why we reject totally any doctrine, any dream, any prophecy, anything that seems to be from God. You know, there's a lot of people saying that they've got a word from God. They've got a prophecy over your life. They had a dream about you. They have a word for you. There's a lot of this stuff going on, especially today. Anything that is not in agreement with the word, I reject totally. I don't care if you think you're the holiest person in the world and you said you got a word from God and you've got a prophecy and you're a prophet and you're, I don't care what people say they have. Their pedigree does not matter to me. If what they're saying does not line up with God's word, I reject it totally. Caitlin said, so those that are against the prosperity message are spreading an antichrist spirit. Yeah, you don't, obviously you don't want, God doesn't want his children to be poor and broken. God does not want his children to lack. Bible's full of those teachings. So any, you know, like, like the, in the same way that there are those monks used to do this. I believe Catholic priests still do this. Take a vow of poverty. That's an anti-Christ, anti-God thing. A vow of poverty is an anti-Christ, anti-God thing. It contradicts what God wants to do that he's revealed in his word for his children. And so it's anti-Christ and it's anti-God. And Mackenzie makes a great point, especially if it uses cherry-picked verses to twist what the word of God already says. And that's why we did that uh, several teachings on context when you're studying the Bible and using verses in context. Because what will happen, and the devil did this. Remember that. The devil did this to Jesus. If you go back and read when Jesus was being tempted of the devil, and that, I, don't remember, I don't know if you remember me saying this, but last year, 2020, when all, all the stuff was going on with the lockdown and the pandemic, there were, I read an article by somebody who can't be that smart that said, we can't, as Christians, use Psalm 91 or quote Psalm 91 over our lives for protection because that's the same passage that the devil used to quote to Jesus during his temptation and Jesus rebuked him for it. It's like, yes, but look at the context. Look at what the devil was trying to get Jesus to do. 
to cast himself down off of a high place with the deceitful thought. Well, you know, the Bible says that he won't even let his angels let you dash your foot against a stone. Well, yeah, because we're not going to use Psalm 91 to jump off the Empire State Building. That's not the context of that verse. It's not what it means. That's not why we would do it. But things that God has promised us protection from, of course, we're going to use it. In fact, Psalm 91 specifically lists pestilence. That's disease. Pestilence, which means God has the ability and the desire to protect his people from pestilence. And so the problem is when you're looking at this antichrist spirit, whether it just outright tells you something that's contradictory to the word or takes the word of God and twists it and manipulates it to mean what it doesn't mean so that it can bring you into a place where you are against the desires of God. It's anti-Christ. There are anti-Christ things going on in our school systems. There are anti-Christ things going on in our governments. And listen, there's anti-Christ things going on in some churches. And I've dealt with it at length. You've heard me teach that I even believe that the the hyper-grace message is an anti-Christ message. It is a doctrine of devils. It's a doctrine of demons. Without question, it is. It's provable from Scripture. It's totally provable from Scripture. If anybody has not yet ordered the book I recommended, Hyper Grace by Dr. Michael Brown, you need to get it. It'll open your eyes. Because this stuff is so prevalent. But it's anti-Christ and it's anti-God. It's exactly what Paul said would happen, you realize. He said, this, these doctrines of devils that are from the antichrist system, they will cause people to fall away from the faith. That's exactly what the hyper grace message has done and is doing. And I can give you story after story after story uh, firsthand. It will take many to hell, unfortunately. Uh, AJ's right in the comments. It's a doctrine of demons. It's antichrist. It's antichrist. And so you have to be aware of an antichrist agenda and an antichrist spirit. All the things you see going on right now in the world, all these governmental things that are happening, they're all fulfilling prophecy in the Bible that shows you it's an antichrist thought process. It's an antichrist agenda. Population control, control of the finance, uh, even healthcare control, all these different things that they're trying to set in place to be able to control the population of the world, to bring nations and their power down so that there can be a one world government. All of these things are prophecy from scripture and they are happening from an antichrist agenda and an antichrist system. When you hear politicians talk about, um, you know, the, the new world order or the one world alliance or anything, that's all Bible prophecy. And it's all from an antichrist spirit, an anti-God spirit. And that's why you have to be aware of these things, but the greater one lives in you. So the spirit of, of the Holy spirit, who is the resurrection power of God that's in you is far greater than the spirit of antichrist that is literally sweeping through this world. So that's number one. It's a spirit of antichrist, spirit of antichrist. And you already have victory over the spirit of antichrist because the Holy Spirit lives in you. 
Let's deal with number two. This is an interesting one, by the way, the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of jealousy. The Bible speaks about it. Put it in the comments. Number two, the spirit of jealousy. And we're going to deal with this. It's, it's listed in numbers, uh, chapter five and verse 14 as a result of, uh, adulterous actions. But the Bible says a spirit of jealousy can take someone over and cause them to do, uh, violent things, wicked things, a spirit of jealousy. It can overtake a person and cause them to do violent or wicked things. And uh, that, that's the place that it's listed first, Numbers 5, 14. But I want to go to Galatians and talk about this because uh, this was mind-blowing to me that when you begin to read, see, Galatians 5 is really where I'm going to pull this from because I want to teach about it in a New Testament context. When you look at the thought process that the Bible, Paul's teaching the Galatian church that the desires of the spirit are contrary to the desires of the flesh, the spirit of the flesh. They're at war with one another. That's Galatians 5, 17. They're at war with one another. The Bible says, and let me, let me read you Galatians 5, 16 and 17 quickly. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit. And you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. He's talking to Christians, the things you want to do. Well, a Christian spirit wants to please the Lord, right? But an antichrist spirit does not. So numbers five fourteen talks about a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of jealousy that will come on somebody and, and Proverbs deals with the same thing, spirit of jealousy that causes somebody to take violent or wicked actions. But here, notice this, here's what blew my mind. It, when Paul starts to list the works of the flesh that come from an antichrist spirit, notice in verse 20, as he's listing these, notice what he says. He says, idolatry, sorcery, now, literally, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like this. I warn you, warned you before. So notice this as he's dealing with these things that are against the spirit of God, does it blow your mind? I mean, it blows mine. Does it blow your mind that Paul lists jealousy with in the same breath as sorcery? I mean, does that not open your eyes, open your eyes to the danger of the spirit of jealousy? How many people do you think there are? You know, I'll tell you one of the things that struck me is when I was younger, and I used to travel in, uh, with my father and we used to help brother RW Shambach, who's a tent evangelist and used to put his tent up in the inner cities of America. One of the things that used to strike me with the spirit of jealousy 
And maybe if you've lived near a city, you know what I'm talking about. This, this used to happen and it would be on the news and you'd hear about it. You'd see a young man walking around the city in a, in new nice shoes, whether they were Jordans or Air Max running shoes or, you know, whatever they were. And there were, they would be killed. They would be killed so that the person who killed them could take their shoes. Think about that. Being willing to murder someone in cold blood to take their pair of Jordans that they have on their feet, to take their Air Max running shoes that they have on their feet, being willing to take a life for the purpose of stealing their shoes. You think about that. And that wasn't like once. That's a, that was a common thing. You'd hear about it all the time. That's exactly right, Mackenzie. You'd hear it. Yeah, Adidas, whatever. You'd hear about it all the time. You'd find a guy, they'd find a guy dead in an alley or something, either with bare feet or with his socks on. What's going on? Sitting there, they killed him and took his shoes. Killed him and took his shoes. Or, you know, what is it? You see somebody, you know, walking. How many stories have you heard on the news of somebody robbing somebody and, and killing them to take their cash you know, out of their wallet, and they had like $48, really willing to kill somebody for $48. Look at this. Uh, I don't know if that's Rodisa or Rodica. In Romania, people killed someone for their golden teeth, would kill the person, pull the teeth out of their mouth. That's a spirit of jealousy to, to so badly want to take what someone has that you'd kill them for it. Dr. Summerall used to teach on unprovoked murder as a sign of demonic possession oppression. Absolutely. Because as the Bible says, Leslie says, too many to count. I used to live right outside of Chicago. She knows what I'm talking about. Just to steal the shoes. You think about the fact of what a spirit of jealousy will do. What a spirit of jealousy. And and it's amazing because the Bible talks about the fact that uh, the spirit of jealousy uh, will have accompanied with it wrath. Wrath, that is uh, violence, unbridled violence. And what's the, whole, what's the whole crux of the matter? It's jealousy. I want what somebody else has. And it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that this spirit, now, now look at it because uh, it, it blows my mind that This spirit pushes people to do this, but it's not necessarily for the the stealing because who cares about $48 cash? And in the light of eternity, who really cares about a pair of Jordans? Do you see really what what the issue is? It's the killing of people who uh, are made in the likeness and in the image of God. How wicked is that? But notice what sparks it, a spirit of jealousy. To want to have what somebody else has so bad that you'd steal from them, that you'd kill them. It's wicked. That's why Paul said and taught about, by the way, and this is, this is really the other side of the coin, a spirit of contentment. A spirit of contentment. Do you know Paul said, I have found that in whatever state I, or I, I have 
in whatever state I've found myself, I've been able to be satisfied or happy. Whatever state, whether I abound, doesn't matter. You remember, Paul was traveling in days, you know, A.D. 35, A.D. 60, where, you know, there wasn't a CVS and a Walmart on every corner. If you were traveling through uh, the wilderness, you couldn't stop at a McDonald's and pull off the exit and get yourself a Big Mac. Paul was traveling through uh, nations to start churches. And there may have been times when the provision ran out on the way and he said, hey, if I was hungry, if I was full, I was still able to be satisfied and content in the state that I found myself. And so the spirit of contentment is, is the opposite of the spirit of jealousy. Put that in there. The spirit of contentment is the opposite of the spirit of jealousy. To be content, to be happy. People are always trying to get, always want more, always... You see what I mean? It's, it's an evil and a wicked thing. Let me, uh, let me read you something from James. Hey, Summer. Let me read you so- something mind-blowing from the book of James chapter 3 and verse 16. Stephen, put that question in. I don't have the time to answer that right now. Put that question in for for Friday because I do want to answer it, Stephen, but I don't have the time right now. Listen to this. This ought to blow your mind. James chapter three and verse 16. Listen to this. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder. Listen to this. And every vile practice. Listen to that right there. That's mind blowing that where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That means that when jealousy is allowed, a spirit of jealousy is allowed to take hold and manifest. The book of James says every vile practice will proceed from a spirit of jealousy. That's why I'm dealing with it. That's why I'm dealing with it. If you allow that spirit of jealousy to take root and to manifest, every vile practice will stem out of the spirit of jealousy. We've already, we've already talked about the fact murder, you know, thievery, all these other things uh, that, that stem out. The Bible says every vile practice. So you don't allow a spirit of jealousy to take root in your life. You take authority over it and you allow the Holy Spirit to give you a content heart. Contentment doesn't mean you don't desire more. You don't desire increase. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about not desiring increase, not desiring God to do more. I'm talking about coveting what other people have. I'm talking about jealousy for what other people have and are doing. See, that's, that's where you get into problems. Love you, Miss Cynthia. That's where you get into problems. I don't covet what somebody else has. And, I'm, and listen, let me be very clear because I want my language to be plain. I'm not talking about where the Bible says to covet earnestly the best gifts. Uh, you know, coveting the gifts of the Spirit, wanting to operate in the power of the Holy Ghost like someone else in the body of Christ does. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Imitating Paul as he imitates Christ, imitating men and women of God as they imitate Christ, wanting the anointing that's on their life, coveting the best gifts. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about possessions. You see somebody's car, you see somebody's house, you see somebody's shoes, you see somebody, uh, that's, that's covetousness, that's jealousy. I want what they have. And if you let it take you over, then it gets to the place in people's lives where they're willing to kill for it. They're willing to steal to get it. Every vile practice, James 3.16. Every vile practice. Now, doesn't mean you can't believe God for a nice house. Doesn't mean you can't believe God for a nice car. Doesn't mean you can't believe God for earthly things. God has no problem blessing his children with a house, a car, some clothes, a watch. God doesn't mind about those things. If he was willing to give Abraham abundance of gold and silver and cattle and all these, he doesn't mind about possessions, but let him be the one that gives it to you. Let him be the one that blesses you. Don't covet and take what somebody else has. Let God be the one operate in his systems, sowing and reaping, operate in his systems and let God be the one that blesses you and not you taking what somebody else has. See what I mean? And so what happens is if that spirit of jealousy is allowed to exist, it will cause every evil work. And you've got to uh, have a spirit of contentment in your heart. Amen. Let me go on further. Number three, number three, a spirit of confusion. That's number three, a spirit of of confusion. We need to deal with that. We need to deal with that. Um, it's interesting because (laughs) this is something that could actually confuse (laughs) those that are studying it. And that's why I'm going to help you today because we read, for example, that now I'm going to give you this first Corinthians 14, 33, Paul says, God is not a God of confusion. Paul says that to the church, but again, let's look at the context. What's Paul teaching about? Paul's teaching two Christians about, uh, what's going on in their church services. Thank you, Lyle Margie. Um, Paul's teaching the, the church. These are Christians about what's going on in their church services. And of course they're having an abundance of spiritual gifts manifest in manifestation, too many words in tongues with no interpretation. It's bringing confusion to the body. So this is what Paul's teaching about that. He doesn't, God doesn't want his children to be confused and definitely does not want them to be out of order spiritually so that they're confused. So I think we can say right off the bat, that God is not the author of confusion for his children. Put that in the comments. God is not the author of confusion for his children. That's important because here's where people can get kind of confused about the spirit of confusion. There are a couple, let's deal with three types of confusion. Number one, There's a confusion that comes from the enemy, a spirit of confusion that comes from the enemy. Then there's just natural confusion. When a person who is a human is just confused about something, they don't understand it. They're confused about it. And then there is a confusion that comes from God. But again, as I just pointed out, it doesn't come from God to his children. God is not the author of confusion for his children, but It's impossible to read the Old Testament 
and not know and understand that God used confusion that came from him to confuse his enemies. That's powerful. That's a powerful thought. And this is why I said people can get confused with it because let let me give you an example of how people can become confused. They read what Paul said. God's not the author of confusion. God is not a God of confusion. Okay. You read that and then you jump back to the book of Genesis and, uh, you go down and, and read what God did to the people when they were building the tower of Babel or Gideon or in second Chronicles 20, you read these stories and you're like, hold on. I thought God wasn't a God of confusion, but again, at, at, at Babel, he went down and confused their languages. The Bible says he went down and confused their languages with Gideon. He had them all go out. They had their clay pot with a torch inside and they, they smashed it and they ran towards their enemy. And the Bible says that God caused confusion among their whole tribes of their enemies so that they all began to flee. And second Chronicles 20, as they praised God and went out towards the battlefield, the three armies that were gathered against God's people, as they heard the sound coming of the praise, God caused it, there to be a spirit of confusion in their camp. They drew their swords and began to kill one another. So that could cause people to be confused. Like, well, I thought God wasn't a God of confusion. He's not for his children, for his people. But God throughout the whole Old Testament sent confusion upon his enemies, dealt confusion to his enemies so that they would be destroyed, so that they would be completely taken out and his children would be protected. You understand that? So uh, don't be confused by this, that when I say a spirit of confusion, there is a demon spirit of confusion that wants the people of God to be confused so that they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what's going on. They're, they're lost. It feels like they're lost in translation. Don't know what to do with their life. Don't know what to do with their business. Don't understand what's going on. Their relationships are messed up. Their spirit of confusion. I've been, let me just say this. I've been in church services where a spirit of confusion was literally in the service. And there were so many directions that the Holy Spirit couldn't even manifest because he's a God that manifests his presence in unity. That's why the psalmist wrote, how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. Notice when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one place in one accord. They were there with one expectation, doing one thing, expecting one gift. And when they were in one place in one accord, the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. God, division, God doesn't move in division. Doesn't want his people to be in division. Doesn't want churches to be in division. And this spirit of confusion will set up shop and try to get people. That's why you, you realize it's the, a lot of these, as we're dealing with them, you can see that they're the direct opposite of what the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So for example, uh, with the spirit of confusion, well, one of the things that you need to realize about the spirit, the Holy Spirit is that he is your guide. The Bible says, I will send it. And that's John chapter 16. If we go there, 
Let's go to John 16. Bible says that when he, the spirit of truth is come, what will he do? Lead you and guide you into all truth. Let me read it. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So notice that, that the spirit of confusion is the exact opposite of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit doesn't confuse you. He guides you into truth. (laughs) So you see, the enemy is working hard to guide you into deception, to guide you into confusion, to guide you into division. But the Holy Spirit does the opposite. He guides you into all truth so that you're not confused because God's children shouldn't be confused when they have access to the spirit of truth, who is a guide. He's actively guiding you into a spirit of truth. It's a, an eternal tutorial. You have like literally uh, an eternal tutorial living on the inside of you. You see that? And so there you have it. The spirit of confusion, and again, not dealing with what God sends upon his enemies. I'm dealing with what the enemy sends towards God's people. And it's a wicked thing because it's a place where the Holy Spirit's doing the exact opposite of what the devil's doing. So you've got to be aware. And let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, uh, no, Mackenzie, I would say, she said, is the Holy Spirit the same spirit that Jesus gave up when he was on the cross? No, I would, I would say that Jesus gave up his own human spirit when he died. He released his own human spirit to God. So notice this now. That's right, Jonathan. Notice this, that If you're confused, if if you feel like you're just constantly in a state of confusion, God's never trying to keep you in the dark about anything. I want you to know this. God is not trying to keep you in the dark about anything. He doesn't want you to be confused about your future, your relationships, your job, none of those things. He's not the author of confusion for his children. He gave us the Holy Spirit for the purpose of guiding us into all truth, all truth. So number three is the spirit of confusion. Let me give you number four. It's the spirit of lying, a lying spirit. Very interesting. It's a lying spirit. Let me take you to, now this is another one that I I don't want you to be confused about, but let me take you to second Chronicles 18. Second Chronicles 18, we're going to read let's start with uh, verse 17. Second Chronicles 18 verses 17 on. Now listen to this. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would prophesy good concern, not, not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven 
standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice the king, Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead. And one said one thing and one said another. Then the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And he said, by what means? And he said, I'll go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his, all of his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him. You'll succeed. Go out and do so. A lying spirit presented itself to the Lord for a king that would not hear the word of the Lord. It's very interesting to me because when people reject the word of God over and over and over, they will receive a lying spirit. You think about that. When people reject the word of God over and over and over, they will receive a lying spirit. It blows my mind because it's like you go to a, um, let's say for example, a sinner. The Bible says for sinners, their, their minds are already darkened. They don't understand the things of God. And so uh, literally a lying spirit does not have to uh, operate fully for a life of an, in the life of an unbeliever because they're already in darkness. They're already in a place where they're displeasing to God. They're already at enmity with God. But in the life of a believer, somebody that has the opportunity to hear the word of God, if you continually hear the word of God and reject it, and reject it, and reject it, then a lying spirit, you will listen to a lying spirit. You'll receive a lying spirit. That's why I believe, in all honesty, it's why I believe that these doctrines of demons, these doctrines of devils, have been accepted by some Christians. Because they're really receiving a deceptive lying spirit. Uh, when, you, when you hear some of these things that are taught, what I was talking about, doctrines of devils, that people are able to be led away from the faith, you think for a minute, no, it was not a good spirit. It was a demon spirit, but God didn't send it. He just said that now you're able to go. He said, see, he presented himself and said, I will go. And then he said, how will you go? So he's just explaining himself to the Lord God. And the Lord God said, you can go and do it. See, there are things that God won't hold back. You have to understand that. There are things that God won't hold back. Because part of what was happening here was a punishment that was coming for the rejection of his own word. Punishment. And as, again, remember this. When sin is punished, it's a good and a just thing. But the spirit wasn't good. The Bible says it was an evil spirit. And so you look at... Uh, that's it, Pastor Bill Motley. He said, when people are full of hearing, that means they've, they've overflowed, they won't hear anymore, opens you up to a lying spirit. Look at AJ putting this in for, my, for, for me here, uh, as you know it. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to, the, to do those things which are not convenient. So you read Romans chapter one, which goes on to talk about homosexuality. And they rejected the knowledge of God. They rejected uh, acknowledging that he existed, uh, the wisdom of God. And so because they would not, God turned them over to what? A reprobate mind. There are people operating in it. You think, you think of something very interesting. And that is this. These styles of churches that have just been based upon entertainment, that have not dealt with sin, that will not deal with what the Bible teaches, that will not 
bring conviction to the sinner and conviction to the Christian. You think about these things, all of these churches that refuse uh, to even teach the word of the Lord fully, the, what we call the full gospel, they won't teach it. They won't preach it because they're afraid of offending somebody. So because they won't, look what happens. They have people who have end times itching ears to hear what they want to hear. So prophecy is being fulfilled. In the last days, there will be people with itching ears that will accumulate to themselves teachers who will teach them what they want to hear. And that's what we have today. And so what happens? It's a doctrine of demons that's a lying spirit. It's not the truth of God's word. It's a false teaching. It's a lying spirit that teaches you. You know, I just saw somebody else post on Twitter today that, you know, uh, it's God's grace and his love that allows these LGBTQ relationships to flourish because it's not about the lust of it. It's about the love and union of these people in relationship. And so as a result, it's God's grace. It's his, it's his image bearers. They're calling them image. God's image bearers are doing this under his grace and his sovereign uh, rule. And you, you see that when you start going away from what the Bible teaches, as AJ just posted, you go away from what the Bible teaches away from. So what happens? You open yourself up to a lying spirit. That's a lie. That's a lie. They're not doing it under God's grace. They're not doing it under God's sovereign uh, approval. They're not doing it because they're God's image bearers. They're, they're rejecting the ways of God. They're rejecting the agenda of God and they're living in abject sin. But see, if you listen to a lying spirit, if you listen to doctrines of demons, then this is what you get. This is what you get. And a lot of that is what the hyper grace message has provided because it's a very, very light view of sin and displeasing God. And people are okay with it because they believe erroneously that God's grace has already covered our past, present and future sins. And Christians don't even need to repent anymore. And if they make a mistake, it's okay because God's grace covers all this stuff going on. It's doctrines of demons. It's a lying spirit. And the spirit of truth guides you into truth. Let me tell you why God hates lying so much. Do you know why Jesus hates lying so much? Because he is the truth. I heard Dr. Attaboy, uh, Pastor Enoch Attaboy say that. He said the reason Jesus hates lying so much is because he is the truth. Think about that. He doesn't tell the truth. He is the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's why Jesus hates lying. That's why God hates lying so much. Because he is the truth. Why do you think the Bible calls the devil the father of lies? That's who he is. Christ is the truth and the devil is a lie. <laughs> you should put that, put that in the, in the comments. Christ is the truth and the devil is a lie. See, it's Christ versus antichrist. Jesus is the true Christ. By the way, for those that don't know, Christ was not his last name. Didn't say Jesus Christ on his driver's license. Christ was not his last name. Christ is a word that means the anointed one. It was, a, it was the significant word that meant he was the Messiah who was to come. 
He was the anointed one of God, the Christ. That's why they called him. Uh, I say, or Peter said, I say, you, you are the Christ, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. That's why he is the Christ. He is the anointed one. Antichrist is that which is against the anointing. Christ is that which is anointed. Antichrist is that which is against the anointing. The truth is the anointing and lying or lies are those things that are against the anointing of God. So the father of lies versus the truth. That's why a a lying spirit is so wicked. A lying spirit is wicked. It's like with our children. We'll teach our children. Mom does it. I'll do it. That, you know, you'll get in trouble for doing something wrong, but you'll get in even more trouble for lying about doing something wrong. You, You understand that? You get in trouble for doing something that's wrong, but you get in much more trouble. You'd be in less trouble if you just said, yes, I did it. I'm sorry. But if you lie about what you did, you get in even more trouble. You'll get in more trouble for the lying than you will for the thing you did wrong. Why? Because lying is wicked and it is against the anointing and it's against Christ. Jesus is the truth. The devil is a lie. And so the spirit, the lying spirit or a spirit of deception, it's wicked. It's wicked. Let me, let me give you this one. Very interesting one. Uh, we're going to go back to Hosea chapter four, but this is number five. This is the spirit of whoredom. The Bible calls it the spirit of whoredom. And I'll re, I'll rephrase that to make it a little bit more, um, understandable for you, but go with me to Hosea chapter four. It's the spirit of whoredom. Yeah. AJ said, I turned a lot of forgivable mistakes into a spanking just for lying. (laughs) That's true. Whoredom spelled W H O R E D O M like a whore, whore dumb, like a kingdom, but a whoredom. There you go. The spirit of whoredom, <laughs> not boredom, <laughs> spirit of boredom, no, whoredom, like a whore. And we're going to deal with it from Hosea chapter four. It's the spirit of whoredom, W-H-O-R-E-D-O-M, whoredom. But you could also, um, you could also call it, because this is the context, a spirit of idolatry. Not the lesser spirit of hoarded, hoardedom, <laughs> hoarddom, or pack ratness. That's true. Doesn't mean you're storing a lot of things up in your garage. It's the spirit of hoardom, which is idolatry. The spirit of idolatry, or hoardom, as the Bible calls it in uh, Hosea four. Let me read this to you now. Uh, we're in Hosea four. I'm going to read you verse twelve through, uh, well, twelve and thirteen. We'll read verses twelve and thirteen spirit of whoredom. (laughs) Caitlin's listening on speaker at the park. She said, great word to be yelled out at the park. Sorry, children. Hosea 4, 12 and 13. Now listen to what God says. My people inquire 
of a piece of wood and their walking staff gives them oracles for a spirit of whoredom has led them astray and they have left their God to play the whore. Verse 13, they sacrifice on the tops of the mountains and burn offerings on the hills under oak, poplar, and terebinth because their shade is good. Therefore, your daughters play the whore and your brides commit adultery. What's God saying here? That there are people who have left following him to follow after other gods and to worship other gods. To worship other gods. It's idolatry. You know, when you, when you read, the Bible says, I'll have no other gods before me. God said that. I will have no other gods before me. That's why when you read in the New Testament, it's a kingdom first mentality. It's a God first mentality in the life of the believer. Matthew 6, 33, that's why God honors that mentality. It's why he blesses that mentality. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Why does God bless that mentality? Because he wants to be first in your life. He's not looking for part-time lovers. He wants to be first in your life. And so all through the Old Testament, God punished idolatry heavily, heavily. Look at the sons of Korah in the Old Testament. Let's go back and look at the sons of Korah for, for a minute, because this, this will blow your mind. Um, but for those that were uh, a little bit confused, this spirit of idolatry, I want to make a, I do want to make a, a little bit of a, uh, clarification here because it's not just about it's not just about people uh going into other religions i'm not talking about that i'm not talking about that do you know you can literally be living in idolatry without uh being an apostate or leaving the faith or it's it's not about going from being a christian to being being a muslim or being a christian to being a a, a hindu or being a a christian to buddhist i'm not talking about uh you know leaving the faith to go to another faith there are things that you can worship do you realize there are things you can make a god in your own life and uh when you get time, I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but you can read about the, about Korah's rebellion in Numbers chapter 16. Read the whole chapter today. Numbers 16. Read about Korah's rebellion. And it, it, it blows your mind because I want to read you what happened to him. Listen to this. I'll start reading with, uh. Verse 28, Numbers 16, 28. Listen to this. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works and that it has not been of my own accord. If these men die as all men die, 
or if they're visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. That means that if they live out their lives and die of natural causes, but listen to verse 30, but if the Lord creates something new and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into Sheol, then you'll know that these men have despised the Lord. Verse 31, and as soon as he'd finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they, they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. You see that? It's crazy. It's harsh punishment. Say, really? God opened the earth under them? He opened the earth under them, swallowed them alive down into hell, and then closed the earth up over them. Idolatry. I'll have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. You can make things in your life a god. Why do you think the Bible teaches in the New Testament? No one can serve two masters, right? Put that in the comments. No one can serve two masters. You absolutely can, Stephen. He said, can you, can we make ourselves our own God with a spirit of self-righteousness? Absolutely. There are people in this, especially today in this society that have, they've made themselves gods. No question. Pride full pride. But you know what? You can't serve two masters. That's why when it's talking about the love of money, you'll love one and hate the other. So you can't serve God and money, the Bible says. So people have made money their God. How many people have you seen that have made their possessions their God? That's number one in their life, their possessions, the car they have, the house they have, the shoes they have. They've made their things their God. They'll work. Let me tell you something. I've seen people that will work and work and work to get more money, to buy more things, to have more status symbols in their life. They're serving money. They're serving God. You listen to me. I've seen people that will work overtime and skip church, skip church so they can work more so they can get more stuff and have more idols in their life, more status symbols. Because what's, what you're saying when you do that is that I care more about the car I drive, I care more about my shoes, I care more about my stuff than I do about God and his commands. That's exactly what you're doing. And there's no way to try to, to uh, you know, sugarcoat that. People that put making money before God love money more than God. Well, I can't go to church on Sunday because you know my boss wants me to work. Tell him you're not working. Make him fire you and then sue him for discrimination against your religion. Muslims would do it. Why do Christians not do it? Muslims would do it. They did it in their school systems in Dearborn, Michigan. Muslims, their children were allowed to not go to school on Friday to be able to go to mosque and there was no penalty. And we're all apologizing that we can't go to basketball practice on Wednesday night. 
make your boss fire you for going to church on Sunday and then sue his behind for religious discrimination and get your settlement. I'm not kidding. Because people that do all that, well, my boss wants me to work on Sundays. Tell him you're not coming. God is first. Everything else is second. God is first. Everything else is second. And that's how we should live. Because if you don't, then you start putting all these things in front of God. Blows my mind when people use their Sundays to go to the lake and use their Sundays to go on vacation. They miss their Sundays to go do travel baseball and travel soccer and travel football. Blows my mind. You're teaching your kids that travel baseball is more important than the house of God. Then you wonder why they grew up and they're screwed up. It's because we've not put God first. It's a spirit of idolatry. Saturday is the Sabbath, but we're not Jewish, Sean Fisk. Christians meet on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday because it's the day Jesus was raised from the dead. We don't follow the law of Moses as Christians. And we don't, the Sabbath is not the day that we meet and it's not the day that we recognize. We recognize the Lord's Day. It's what uh, John was talking about on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation when he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's not the Sabbath. It's the day that the Lord was raised from the dead. Sunday has nothing to do with, you know, a day that's given, you know, it's a distorted day where we're worshiping the sun God. It's a pagan day. It's not a pagan day. We're not worshiping the sun. We are remembering what Jesus did on Sunday, which was the day he was raised from the dead. And people have all this stuff that they'll do on Sunday to skip church. The average Christian in America goes to church once out of every five Sundays. Think about that. And then ask yourself, why is America in disarray? Because it's a country that's gone away from God. We stop putting Bibles in the schools, reading the Bible in school, stop prayer in school. We stop, we want to take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses. All the different things. We want to take under God out of the the, uh, Pledge of Allegiance. It's a nation that's attempted to go away from God. And the more you take God out of society, the more society is destroyed. Absolutely, without question. Without question. And so, we understand that a spirit of idolatry will destroy, absolutely destroy, families, nations, Don't go after things over God and don't allow things in your life to become gods. It's the spirit of whoredom or the spirit of uh, idolatry. Let me give you these other, you know what? These other four that I've got, I'm going to need ample time to teach on three of them for sure. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come back tomorrow with part two of this because these other four that I've got for you uh, from the New Testament are so important uh, and need teaching because they're some, they're, all four of these are stuff that uh, definitely happening heavily, heavily to people today in our society. And uh, it's already quarter to 12 on uh, East Coast time. And it would take me at least till one to teach on the rest of these. So I'm not, I'm not going to do it today. I'm going to come back tomorrow, Thursday, and, uh, and do part two of this as well as, well, we'll see what kind of time we have. But... I've got some other things to show you, and then maybe Friday I'll I'll double up. But don't forget to get your questions in for Friday, and we're going to do Q&A, and uh, I would like to be able to read them. 
I would not like to have to read them from the comments section. I would like to have them printed in front of me so that I can cover them uh, and, and know what we're going to be we're going to be looking at. So if you've got questions, if there are things that you want clarity on, miracleword.com forward slash question, and we'll deal with these questions on Friday on the Q&A, and uh, you definitely don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. Tomorrow, I'm going to hit part two. I've got four more demon spirits that we need to deal with that Jesus heavily dealt with. He heavily dealt with throughout the Gospels. Paul dealt with uh, as well throughout his his life uh, as an apostle, and we need to be dealing with them today because they're still heavily affecting people in the earth. But let me pray for you. Father, I pray for, for that you would touch every one of these people watching. We thank you that we've got the Holy Spirit that you've given to us to destroy the works of the devil. We thank you that we're anointed to destroy the plans of the wicked one. We thank you, Lord, that you have anointed us to tear down walls of darkness. We thank you that you've anointed us to literally destroy the infrastructure of the enemy and to bring people into the kingdom of God. I pray today that you would put a fresh fire on the inside of every man and woman watching. I pray that you would put a hatred on the inside of us for the things the devil is doing in this nation and with our families and with our friends. Put a hatred in us for the wickedness that the enemy's trying to use to take out a generation. Put that compassion for the lost in our spirits and let us win souls like we never have and destroy the works of the devil like we never have in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for it and we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen and begin to thank God that there is no demon spirit more powerful than the spirit that's in you, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't forget at two o'clock, Carolyn's going to be going live. She's broadcasting. Ladies, you don't want to miss today and Friday. Carolyn's going to be live at 2 p.m. And uh, right here on these channels and also on hers, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. Let me encourage you here at the end of the broadcast, if you've not done so today, to sow a seed of faith. You know, we're believing that people are going to stand with us. Many already are uh, in partnership. And uh, I want to encourage you to partner with this ministry. We're giving this one of my favorite tools. Some of the things that you're hearing have been researched even using this tool. This is the Life Application Study Bible. Um, oh, and by the way, we've got all the books in and now all the, final, all the final pieces are coming together. These custom boxes and all the things we're putting together for you. This is one of the things that we're adding into the Elite Study Collection. I couldn't be more excited for people that are sewn and are sewing $5,000 or more, we're putting together this elite study collection for you. This is one of the elements in it, but we have two other study Bibles and two other books that will help you go deep in uh, Bible study and open your eyes to things you've never seen in the Word. I was just recommending some resources to people yesterday, and uh, there's so much meat in this for you to study when you're doing your own devotions. But for everybody that's sewing $1,000 or more, we want to send you this uh, Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible. And for those that are sewing $85 or more this month, uh, the month of May, we're sending you Prayer That Brings Revival by Dr. David Yonggi Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world, Yoido Full Gospel Church. And uh, it's one of the most convicting books on prayer that you'll ever read. It's powerful. 
Uh, if you'd like to receive this book or the monthly offer of, of the Bible, if you're sowing $1,000 or more, uh, go to miraclewordcom forward slash offer and uh, fill out the form there and we'll get this to you ASAP. Erica asked, did you change the dates for Peckville? We did change the dates and I'm really thankful to uh, Pastor Terry and Pastor Tyler uh, for helping me on that. We're going to come a week earlier uh, to Peckville Assembly of God. So the date should be on the website. Uh, I believe, if I'm not wrong, that it starts now on the 6th. Does anybody have? Yeah, the 6th. So we'll be there the, the 6th through the 11th. That's a, that's a Sunday through Friday. So coming to Peckville Assembly of God in Blakely, Pennsylvania, that's June the 6th through the 11th. Uh, coming up, now here's an interesting thing. Coming up um, next week, starting on Sunday, my father is setting up the tent. We're in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. And uh, if you've been following the news, you know that we are there at exactly the right time. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with what happened. Uh, the man that was shot in his vehicle uh, that was apparently fleeing the scene and the officers shot him. There's tons of unrest in Elizabeth City right now. I believe it was a white officer that shot a black man. Uh, tons of unrest. Uh, BLM was there. Antifa was there. Um, I think Al Sharpton was there to do the funeral. Uh, lots of unrest in the city. There was an eight o'clock curfew uh, for the night. Yesterday was uh, the first day that they released the video of what happened at the scene. Uh, so the family members saw it first and then I think they released it to the public yesterday. We're waiting to see what's, <clears throat> what's gonna happen, but we're there at the exact right time. Uh, some of the city officials even said, we're very happy that you're bringing the tent to Elizabeth City now. We're praying and believing that it's gonna bring uh, rest and peace to the city. And so it's a perfect time for revival, perfect time for a move of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna be there uh, Sunday through Friday under the tent in Elizabeth City. This coming Sunday through Friday, if you're anywhere close to North Carolina, Virginia, uh, we'd love to see you there. And all the details are on the website. We'd love to have you under the tent. It's gonna be a powerful meeting. And then after that, I'm headed to Buffalo, New York, to the Buffalo Dream Center, and then to Horseheads, New York, uh, for his tabernacle. I cannot wait to get there. We're going to have a great May and we'd love to see you guys in person. Uh, so all the details of our meetings are on the website. If you want to go to miracleword.com, click the schedule page and then you'll see all the dates. Would love to see you there. Uh, those of you that are sowing today, there's multiple ways you can sow your seed, miracleword.com, uh, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. Uh, you can use hashtag donate if you're on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, and then, of course, people have been wanting to do Zelle transfers. Zelle is available as well. All of the ways to give uh, can be found on the website, miracleword.com. And uh, I want to encourage you today. We're going to pray in just a moment. The Lord's going to speak to you about what you're to sow. And then uh, I want you to do what the Lord's telling you to do. Father, speak a word to every man and every woman about what they're to sow today into the kingdom of God. And I pray, Lord, as they sow their seed that an increase like they've never seen would come upon their life, come upon their business, their ministry, their family. Let this be a year of supernatural increase for your people. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You can sow your seed today. Thank you for sowing. Thanks for giving and standing with Carolyn and with me. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to continue on with this uh, same subject, these spirits that must be dealt with. I've got four more for you. It's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss it. Don't forget, 2 o'clock today, Carolyn's Live. New kids content at MiracleWordKids.com as well as on the app. You don't want to miss this stuff. A lot of free content for you guys to bless you and to build your faith and to encourage you. I love you. Have a wonderful day. Be blessed. I'll see you again in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.